Free tacos. Free tacos. Beer. A slight delay out there, internet. Here we go. Welcome back to season two of Florida's own Free Tacos Action Team Trivia. Um, right now, all you can see is me, but with us, uh, we have the producer. What up? Joe with the hey, show. Joe with the show. Uh, we got DJ Pizza just off to the side here, and also uh, Nearly Silent Nick is incredibly quiet right now. Um, <laughs> so quiet he might not even be here. Yeah. Uh, things are a little different this week. I don't have my notebook. I in fact have cue cards. We are like ready to rock. You can thank Big Mama K for the cue cards. Uh, this was like a a gift. So, uh, we we're ready to rock. So, um, as always, we've got some rules. Before we get into the rules, just remember. We are probably going to be talking about things that are pretty sexual and pretty fucking explicit. So, um, if you don't want children to hear, get them the fuck out now. That's that's just the rules. Or if you're friends with, like, miniature ponies and they have sensitive ears, they should probably go too. Uh, they're adorable. Straight up adorable. Right? Did anybody disagree that miniature ponies aren't adorable? Everybody agrees. Okay. So, if you don't want your miniature ponies to have, um, you know, be affected by our sour language tonight, please ask them to leave now. If you are uh, playing tonight, um, go ahead and regardless of whether you think you know the answer or not, like if you don't know it at all, just drop in the funniest thing you can think of and I'll probably give you points. Exactly. Um Please, I want an answer from everybody for every question. All right. All right, here we go. Uh, So here's how it's going to work. We've got five categories tonight, uh, three questions each category. Uh, There's no points assigned except for the ones that I decide. So uh, let's get started. Our categories tonight are, gosh, what are they? All right, Mm. so we've got crazy history, musical musings, uh, movie mystery, American Criminals, and of course, Disney Discourse to end it out. All right. Looks good. All right. That's what we're looking at. Cool. Let's move on to the very first question in crazy history. I love this picture. This is, uh, gosh, I'm going to go back in time and marry this girl because she. uh, Have you ever said who she is? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. She's no. just she's just some girl who loves smoking at four years old with a giant cock. That's 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 all it comes down to, and that's that's just happiness uh, for everybody here. Okay, so if we're ready, we're getting on to our first question within crazy history. Maybe. Nope. One more click. All right. Here we go. No. Oh, did I go too far? Yes. All right. So. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> you blew it. Did Did you read it? Do yes. you know? Do you saw what it was? Okay. Well, here we go. Uh, Escalese was a playwright and is often hailed as the father of the tragedy. Prior to uh, Escalese, plays were featuring a single actor, usually called the protagonist. Well, this crazy out of the box thinker got the brilliant idea to add a second speaking actor to the mix. This character would be called the antagonist. Well, most plays did have other actors bringing the story to life behind the protagonist, I can't imagine how exciting adding a second speaker to the mix must have been. Turns out that while many of his plays have been lost to time, Aeschylus' play The Persians is the oldest surviving Greek play. It is from 480 BC. Wow. That is so old. So my question has nothing to do with his plays. He died... When he was 67 years old in 456 BC, because something was dropped on his head. What was it? What was dropped on Escalise's head? Do you want me to pretend like I don't know the answer? Yes, I would love you to pretend like you don't know the answer, DJ Pizza. A rock. A rock. 
Like The Rock? Like The Rock. Well, some some people either know this or they saw the answer. Um, because we already have a correct answer on Facebook Live. What uh, is it? Uh, I don't oh, see it. Uh, uh, well, are you on I'm, Facebook oh, wait, Live sorry, or are you sorry, on Insta? Oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm on Insta. I'm getting my, my, my lives mixed up. Okay. All right. Is this... Do I have to log back? Nope, there it is. It is. It's a tortoise. That was my fault. I clicked ahead too fast. Okay. Uh, so if if you saw this ahead of time, season two, starting off with a bungle. Uh, here we go. So uh, Escalese had a bald head. An eagle was looking for a nice rock to crack open a tortoise it was carrying around oh, on. No. When it noticed Escalese's shiny dome and thought that was the perfect rock for the job. Mm. With exact precision, the eagle dropped the tortoise directly on the bald spot, killing him instantly. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, to make matters worse, he'd been given a prophecy that he'd be killed by a falling object, so he'd been staying outside to avoid anything falling on his head. <laughs> As a humorous side note, his play The Persians was so impactful uh, that his epitaph actually refers to his participation in the Greek victory at Marathon during the war, but nothing to do with his monumental playwriting. <laughs> All right, so, uh, do we uh, have any answers on InstaLive? Um, let me see. InstaLive is quiet. Quiet. Quiet over there. Give us Insta- answers, InstaLive. InstaLive, give us answers. <laughs> All right, so we got we got DJ Pizza who had a correct answer, and we and we've got Holy Sister Lisa, uh, who also has a correct answer. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna assign five points to Insta Live, okay, um, and one point to the two people who got it right. All right. Um, <laughs> All right. Cool. Listen, you wanted points. You didn't say yeah. that had to be fair. Yeah. All right. So moving sure. right along to the second question here. Uh, well. Speaking of death from above, in 1942, shortly after the attack on Pearl Harbor, dental surgeon Lyle S. Adams wrote a letter to Lady, First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt about an idea for a bomb that could be dropped onto enemy territories and do massive damage without much detection. This idea was given to the Air Force, where the team, including a hotel manager, an actor, and even a gangster, were all involved in the design and other variables, including the use of napalm instead of white phosphorus as the incendiary ingredient. After a series of, yeah, I would probably call them successful tests that accidentally burned down Carlsbad Army Airfield, uh, the project was turned over to the Navy, where after about $2 million dollars, in 1942, about $19 million now, in spending, uh, the newly named Project X-Ray was scrapped in favor of the atomic bomb. What was the bomb called in Project X-Ray? My nephew's already like Manhattan Project, but we're talking about Project X-Ray. It has a specific name. The only thing that's coming to my mind is Fat Boy. But that, <laughs> that's the bomb that was dropped. Yeah. Uh, Holy Sister Lisa, in her very fragile tongue, has said, Shit, I know this. <laughs> oh. Big Bertha? We got Big Bertha for my nephew. <laughs> I'll say the rattlesnake. The rattlesnake? It is. It is not a like a specific name like Fat Boy. It is. It is a. Is a type. It's like. Oh. Um. It's oh, like, no. like the atom bomb is called the atom bomb, but we name specific ones. Oh. It is. It. It is something along the lines of an atom bomb okay. because, it directly splits the atom in the bomb. Um, okay. Something boy. Oh, Lisa. Oh, my mom just says Eleanor. What, what was the type of bomb? It's a oh, type of type, bomb, not type, a, not a name, name of the bomb. Okay. It's a specific type of bomb. Okay. This is a picture of it right here. Yeah. yeah. If you can see this, this is a picture of of the bomb that was used. What was this specific type of bomb called? Hydrogen bomb. A hydrogen yeah. bomb. We um, think little boy. Again, meth- Lisa, Lisa is stuck in the atomic... But it's not an atomic bomb. This is specifically yeah. not an atomic bomb. Yeah. This was what was used 
uh, <clears throat> what they had planned until they found out that it's just much, much easier to use an atomic bomb to lay waste to an entire countryside than burn oh, a single village at a time. I'm going to say it's a methane bomb. <laughs> methane bomb. Yeah. Going with the farts. Yeah. Start starting early with the farts. Yep. Cow farts. Yep. Cow fart bomb. Yep. All right. Do we have any other guests? Do we have anything from Insta? Uh, let's see. Insta. Insta's quiet. No. Oof. Insta. Exploding mm-hmm. bomb, says Mama K. All right. So the plan that Lyle S. Adams came up with was to drop a bomb casing filled with bats at dawn. These bats would be outfitted with time-release bombs of napalm, which would devastate the Japanese cities and towns after the bats would roost under the eaves and destroy the buildings of mostly wood and paper. The project teams thought of every aspect about this bat bomb. bat bomb. Except the humanity of killing millions of bats. I was going to say, like, how... Wow. Uh, who had little fire bombs glued to their cute little tummies. Uh, Adams was fine with it, though, uh, because in a letter he actually called bats the lowest form of animal life. Aww. And that at the time, the reason for its creation have remained unexplained. Eleanor Roosevelt commented, This man is not a nut. It sounds like a perfectly wild idea, but it's worth looking into. All right. Well, I did not mess up on that one, so I'm giving myself 25 points. Ooh. DK, right. 25. So far, I'm in the lead. Uh, oh. You know what? I'm going to give okay. uh, Mama K 10 points, too. Cool. Uh, because she's awesome and All a right. badass. Cool. All right. Moving on to the third question here. Uh, so you guys know I love a good badass. Uh, so we're going to go Danish this time. Let's start, uh, as all good legends do, from the very beginning. So there was this Danish king. His name was Helgi, or Helga, if you like Beowulf. Yep, the dad in this story is so badass, he's actually mentioned in Beowulf. Um, so this wretched woman appears at his hunting lodge and asks to be let in. And he does. She then asks to sleep in his bed with him, and he sighs and agrees. Nice guy, right? Well, sort of. Because uh, as she climbs into bed, she turns into this gorgeous dark elf. So he just straight up rapes her and falls asleep on top of her. Uh, In the morning, she lets him know that she's pregnant and tells him where to meet her in nine months to collect his child. Well, the dude goes out pillaging and raping so much that he either forgets or just doesn't care. So three years later, he gets a knock on his door, and there's a group of elves there with a kid who loves the dark arts, and her name is Skuld. They also place a curse on Helgi, and that curse uh, comes very quickly as Helgi is tricked into marrying another one of his illegitimate children and has a son with her. This starts the saga of Krolf Kragi. If there's anybody who's Danish and wants to argue with me on this, that's fine. Nope, his name's Krolf Kragi. And I'm going to say it a ton of times. Krolf Kragi and his half-sister, or aunt, Skuld, were never very close, but they got along well enough until Krolf Kragi gave Skuld's husband, Hrafgar, Hafvarth, a sword. And he was like, damn, bro, thanks, and accepted it. Not knowing that accepting a sword from a king meant that you were now his bitch. The king demanded a yearly tribute and uh, never let poor Hothvar play in any Viking games. Hrof Kragi went off and kicked a lot of ass himself. Uh, but this question isn't about... is This question is actually about the real badass of the story. Scold. Scold was sick of this shit and asked her half-brother nephew <laughs> if they could not pay for three years and then pay it all at once. And he said, sure. So what did Scold do with all the money she was able to save in those three years? Bought a Lamborghini. She bought a Lamborghini. <laughs> no. Um... Wait, so she ended up not paying saved it all up and then spent it on something else? Yep. Mm. She said, she said, yo, bro nephew, 
can we not pay you for three years? And in the meantime, save that money. And then at the end of three years, we will pay you the accumulated amount. And he was like, I... So what did she do with all the money she saved? We got bought a castle, crushed him with it. Uh, Eric, can you be a little more specific on crushed him with it? Like, did he, did did Scold buy a giant, like anvil, cartoon style, and drop it on him? Did she melt it down in some way and make a spear out of it? My mom says, bought an army to defeat him. <laughs> so we've got uh, crushed him, bought a castle, melted it down and made a spear. <laughs> Joe with the shell? Bought a Lambo. Bought a, oh, bought a Lambo. Right, bought a Lambo. Uh, my nephew said poured it on him. Like, uh... Like some sugar? <laughs> like, like Game of Thrones when they... Yes, With the gold. but I was actually thinking more like when Apple sued uh, uh, smartphones, and uh, and they and Samsung paid Apple like four million dollars in dump trucks of pennies. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, Eric is straight up on the same way. He's like just dumped it on him, like Scrooge McDuck style. And by the way, if you ever get rich, do not buy a giant vault full of coins because when you dive into it, you will kill yourself. Yeah. That's just, that's not even, cartoon physics is wrong. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Uh, so the, the winner here, and I'm, I'm impressed. Big Mama K. <laughs> wow. Skulled amassed a huge army and snuck up on Hulf Craggy. And his warriors. In those same three years, Hulf Craggy and his team did less pillaging and more dumb pranks and eating and got fat and lazy. So they were a little out of practice of the ass-kicking game, but settled right back into it nicely as the two armies collided on the castle lawn, creating piles of body. Literally, warriors had to climb fucking mountains of bodies to get to the next person they wanted to attack. Things were fairly even until Bothvar Bjarki... Another one I'm sticking with until somebody proves me wrong. Bothvar Bjarki, one of Frothgar Kraki's best champions, turned into a 12-foot-tall bear and started tearing through men and biting horses in half. Ever the one-upper, Skuld summoned an ox-sized boar from a dimension of evil whose hide was sword-proof and impervious to spears and arrows. Well, it started ripping through her enemies, they surrounded it, only to find out it could also shoot quills off its back. So, well, shit, right, guys? Even still, Froth Craggy's side seemed to have the upper hand when reinforcements arrived. Well, with no more soldiers coming to raid, she simply started raising the dead ones. That's right. Mountains of them. Her husband took the gifted bitch sword and took on the werebear Bothgar Bjarki and promptly was just torn to pieces because he's not a 12-foot-tall bear. So he made a mistake on that one. So Skull just put him back together and sent his zombie pieces back into the fray. The king and his 11 best men barricaded themselves in the throne room Basically like they were hoping to defend Helm's Deep. And then um, Skuld and her boar and army of zombie Vikings came crashing in and killed them all so she could take her throne. Don't worry, though. She was actually really bad. Didn't rule long at all. And uh, Elf Frothy, Elg Frothy, uh, Broth Bjarki's werebear brother, snuck up on her, bound her, gagged her before she could use her magic, and then, um, you know, tortured and killed her. All's well that ends well. Yep. I'm giving 30 points to Mama K for getting that one right. All right. All right. You want to change the... Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, she was just a badass. Yeah, raised uh, on army. Yeah, raised on army. army. Yeah, raised on army. Cool. Mm -hmm. Okay, Okay, cool. We are now moving on to our second category, which is musical musings. Speaking of badass women, Shelby Lynn is an American singer-songwriter from Virginia who's sort of a country pop rock singer who has a song called 
the killing kind that could be Skull's soundtrack, but also happened to appear on the 2001 film Bridget Jones Jones Diary soundtrack, which also included another one of Shelby Lynn's songs, Dreamsome. Dreamsome was included on Shelby Lynn's 1999 UK release but 2000 released album aptly named I Am Shelby Lynn. In February of 2001, Shelby Lynn won a Grammy for this incredible album. Her acceptance speech begins with saying, It took 13 years and six albums to get here. What Grammy Award did Shelby Lynn win in 2001 for her sixth studio album? Song of the Year. Song of the Year? Good guess. no idea who this is Mm-mm. i also don't really watch the grammys like what are the categories uh well you got like uh, uh <clears throat> best uh best group or duo uh best male artist best female artist uh best uh eric's best new artist best female vocalist is uh from holy sister lisa um yeah i mean it's basically like the the oscars but for for music, so anything that you can imagine is in there. What would she have gotten after six albums, though? My mom says Best Country Female, Big Mama K. Well, if you can't think of anything specific, give us something wild. Something that'll be a good sound bite. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. I can't think of uh, best cleavage on an album cover. Best cleavage <laughs> on an album cover. <laughs> All right. I mean, look at that photo. Yeah, best right. mixing. There you go. Eric, you should have stuck. You should have stuck with what you had, man. I'm gonna go with your first answer, Eric, um, because the answer is, and seriously, one of the most ironic things of all time. Uh, pointing out how many albums in years she had been worked in the industry was doused in sarcasm as she had just been handed the Grammy for 2001's Best New Artist. Shelby <laughs> has also been in a movie. She played Johnny Cash's mother in Walk the Line in 2005. So maybe she'll win an Oscar someday. Who knows? Wow. As Best New Actress. All right. Here we go. Moving on to the next question here. Another Grammy winner is James Brown. Won a Grammy for Papa's Got a Brand New Bag in 1965. That was his first Grammy Award and a huge hit for him. Even bigger still was his next single as James Brown proclaiming that he feels good. And he knew that he would. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. That's actually not the name of the song. I feel good. That's not the name of that song. What is the name of that song? Wait, the song where he's like the song where he says "I feel good" is not. It is not called "I feel good." What's the name of that song? Is the name of the song in the lyrics? It is. It is. He says it more than he says, I feel good. Maybe. <laughs> so good. My mom says, you feel good. I do feel good. I'm glad that you do. I'm glad that you're feeling well, Joe. Okay. <laughs> in this time. Yeah. In this fragile time. <laughs> yes. Uh. So nice. Holy Sister Lisa says, I knew that I would. The song I sing, well, I have sex with all these women, (laughs) says my nephew. Okay. Uh, For anybody who's listening, my nephew's eight. So, like, Hmm. he's kind of pervy. Wow. I'm I'm just kidding. He's he's only nine years younger than me, which makes him almost 30. Wow. (laughs) Mm. He's already 30. Shit. 
Okay. Oh, oh my lanta says Chrissy. Do we have anything on Instagram? Mm, Instagram. It's quiet. Crickets. Quiet. Crickets on the Insta. So, uh, yeah, Eric's 31. Damn, you old boy. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> Close. I, come on. You look right. younger. Let's and you're it. looking great with all your Instagram photos. <laughs> uh, so the name of the song is actually I Got You. Oh. Uh, and we'll sometimes have I Feel Good in parentheses uh, there are, uh, after the title. And that is so good. So good. Wow. Because I got a you. Uh, that's where that comes from. There are a few other James Brown songs with parentheses as well. But my favorite is his time with the background group called the JBs, which included Bootsy Collins and uh, <laughs> and his brother, who's called Catfish Collins. His real name is actually Phelps. Anyway, the song that I also like is called Get Up, and in parentheses, I feel like being a, close parentheses, sex machine. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Chrissy's got it. It's I Got You. There you go. Um, so here we go. We're moving oh. on to Musical Musings number six. So this isn't actually about a song. This is... I, I really wish that you guys could see this better. Um, did you know the University of Chicago holds a massive scavenger hunt each year? Because they do. Uh, items range in bizarreness and rarity. Uh, and for that... Uh, they have different points associated with them, such as an anti-gravity cat, which is worth two points, or an edible cookbook that the pages taste like the recipes, which is 10 points per page. Uh, I bring this up because this particular instrument was included in 2014 scavenger hunt and was worth 50 points if found. It is comprised of 49 feet or 15 meters of PVC piping um, and wood, and it is the largest and lowest pissed pitched instrument in its family. In fact, the lowest note that it has is a C that is a full octave lower than the lowest C on a standard piano. And it, uh, it, its waves are actually uh, considered lower. They're at 16 hertz, which is below what is generally considered a human hearing range. What is this instrument called? Some kind of clarinet, it looks like. I can't see the mouthpiece. Lisa is... Holy Sister Lisa's says DJ Pizza should know this. Fuck you, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs> oh! Chrissy says it's like the stuff from the Blue Man Group. It is, in fact, called a Blue Man Group marshmallow shooter. What? No, it's not. (laughs) I'm just just reading. Contra double bass clarinet machine. A contra double bass clarinet machine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're actually not that far off. Mm. I mean, you're way off, but you're not that far off. (laughs) A contra like, double bass clarinet machine is, is, yeah, 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 you're, like, literally every word is wrong, but, um. I'm on the right road. Yeah, 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 you're on the, you're on the correct path. You're, you're in the correct family of instruments, but not the, you're, you're on a cousin instrument. We got a pipe organ, we got a didgeridoo. Is it a bassoon of some kind? It's an oboe. An oboe. Or a bassoon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from here, know. it looks like a Cyberman vacuuming. A big yeah. cockbone. A Cyberman is vacuuming. And it looks like a, a big cockbone, says Holy Sister Lisa. Jesus. Lisa, you're going to lose your holy sisterness <laughs> if you keep up with this bad mouthing. You're. <laughs> <Mm-mm>. <laughs> All right. Um, anybody else have a guess? 
didgeridoo, pipe organ. Joe, what did you say it was? An oboe. Bow. Some sort of an obi obi bow. Some sort of an oboe. All right, here we Your go. Hobo. Hobo. Coming in four octaves below a concert flute, three octaves below a bass flute, two octaves below a contrabass flute, and one octave below a double bass contra flute. This is the hyper bass flute. Ooh, hyper bass. Item number 64 in the University of Chicago scavenger hunt asks for a contrabass flute, a double contrabass flute, and a hyper bass flute, which are 20, 30, and 50 points respectively. The entire list is outrageous, but a few fun ones are goat cheese with a photo or video evidence that it went from goat to cheese during the hunt, 20 points. Team <laughs> captain has five minutes to produce a squid upon a request by a judge asking, are you a squid napper? which is 18 points, jump the shark, literally, points up to 40, based on length and vicinity of shark, uh, a 3D counter cross-stitch, 34 points, Big Mama K, 3D counter cross-stitch, a octopus, 8 points, uh, but of the 318 items, the knowledge of astrology, where, judge, where the judges have, much like fingerprinted, made paint prints of their asses on butcher paper one point for each correct identif- correctly identified butt cheek so i guess two points per judge all right we are moving on to movie mysteries which um might actually start with a tv show mystery mm. uh one of the items mentioned off the scavenger hunt was jumping the shark Literally, jumping the shark is a phrase used to describe a television or movie franchise that have misguided attempts at generating new publicity for something that was widely popular but no longer is. This phrase came into existence because of what popular 1970s TV show had their lead actor literally don water skis and jumps over a confined shark. What television show began their fifth season with this gimmick? And for that last one... I'm going to give DJ Pizza another point. Um, Just one. I'm going to have Instagram 19 points because nobody's participating there. Uh, and I'm going to give myself 38 points for doing all that research. Yeah. Cool. Good. <laughs> you don't have the question up. Do you just hit return? Maybe. Let's see what happens. There it is. There we go. There it is. Oh, you know why? Because that last one has the thing that like slowly zooms in and mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So um, the question is, what uh, television show began their fifth season with this gimmick? We've got a Happy Days. We've got Baywatch. We've got Gilligan's Island. Specifically, Henry Winkler, Eric says on his own comment. <laughs> And these are little tiny goldfish jumping over sharks in the same size bowl on the picture. Mm. Mama K, any guesses on TV shows? Oh, we got Flipper. Lisa's just tossing out guesses. Yeah, I was going to say what decade (laughs) was Flipper on TV. TV shows. Mama K, the answer you're looking for is Crimson Tide is the name of the movie with the dog in it. Different strokes? Different strokes? Okay. Did you pizza? I was thinking Flipper, but I don't know. You're thinking Flipper. We got Sharknado. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sharknado literally has a shark jumping itself. Yeah. Uh, so, uh... Do I even have Eric written down here? We got Eric. Eric, he's been doing pretty all right. I'm going to go ahead and just... Drop Is it Happy Days? 25 points down here. Uh, Is it Henry Winkler oh, on big, Happy Days? Big Mama K also did Happy Days. We're going to go and give her another 10 points, too. All right, so the answer is uh. one. <laughs> That's right. The mm. season premiere of Happy he's Days. He's leather jacket. That's Fancy is challenged to prove his bravery, so he gets in his swim trunks and his trademark leather jacket and skis over a jump over a shark. Uh, It was actually written 
as a way to show off Henry Winkler's water skiing abilities. Ron Howard recalls Donnie Moist reading the script. It looks up and asks, so he's jumping a shark now? <laughs> All right. That's great. Oh, yeah. Holy Sister Lisa, you've got one point. You're not winning. Um, so... Since we're already talking about Ron Howard as a director, he's made some incredible films. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Willow, Splash, The Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons. This guy loves bringing history to the screen. Apollo 13, A Beautiful Mind, Cinderella Man, Frost Nixon are some great examples. He loves music, too. Ron Howard directed a documentary about the Beatles called Eight Days a Week, The Touring Years in 2016, a documentary about Pavarotti in... 2019 and in 2013 he made a documentary called made in america which follows the organization of the budweiser made in america festival what famous musician dare i say musical icon is the main focus of this documentary yes eric he also did do arrested development (laughs) eric gets five bonus points DJ Pizza gets 10 extra bonus points. <laughs> is this a solo artist? Mm. Not a group? It is a solo artist. It is a specific human being. I will accept both the real name or the stage name of this artist. Uh, Eric says Springsteen. Holy Sister Lisa says repeat the question. Uh, Lisa, the question is, uh, in 2003, uh, Ron Howard made a documentary called Made in America, which follows the organization of the Budweiser Made in America Festival. What famous musician, dare I say, musical icon, is the main focus of this documentary? Big Mama K says Elvis. Chrissy wants the... Question again. Holy Sister Lisa wants to know what her points are again. Holy oh, Sister Lisa, you're still at one. Big Mama Kate gets 15 more points for mentioning Elvis because I, I love Elvis. I was going to say Elvis. She's wrong, but I mean, she gets 15 yeah. bonus points <laughs> for being Big Mama Kate. Springsteen sounds like a good answer to me. I could also say John Mellencamp. We got. Oh, are you talking John Mellencamp or John Cougar or John Cougar Mellencamp? John Cougar. John Cougar Mellencamp. Obviously. Just John Cougars. Johnny Cougar. Obviously. Little Pink Houses. <laughs> mm-hmm. Any other guesses from the internet? So we got Elton John. He's not American. I didn't say that he had to be American. I just said he had to be a musical icon. Okay. You're all wrong, by the way. <laughs> Billy Joel. <laughs> You're you're wrong by about thirty years, I think. <laughs> Johnny Cash, um, nope. Eric Clapton, nope. Wait, thirty years. Yep, 30 probably, years, probably, like, probably about thirty older, years. Yeah, so... no younger. <laughs> younger. He's younger than all these people that have been mentioned. Oh my god. And it's a he too. So, I gave you that. You can you can knock yeah. all the the female yeah. art. You can knock Shelby Lynn yeah. down on your guess who, <clears throat> your guess who board. John Mayer. In sync, Michael Jackson. John Mayer. You guys are so far off. Uh, Ron Howard's 2013 documentary "Made in uh, America" is an all-access backstage past a one-of-a-kind music festival created by Sean Carter, aka Jay Z. Mr. New York himself. That's stupid. Don't watch that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. Minus 10 points for DJ Pizza. <laughs> for calling me stupid. Uh, oh, minus 15 points for Holy Sister Lisa for the same thing. Holy Sister Lisa, you're at negative 14. Um, <laughs> She's in debt. <laughs> all right. So we are moving on to Star Wars. Uh, does a Wookiee shit in the woods. Perfect. I, I wish you guys could see this because I, I changed up the whole PowerPoint. Like, uh. <laughs> it looks so good now. Um, okay, so there is not a whole lot of blood in the Star Wars universe. Uh, luckily for the MPAA rating and the FX crew, uh, blasters and lightsabers cauterize wounds. Ooh, m- most of them, anyway. Mm. Dr. Cornelius 
Evanson and his buddy Panda Baba don't like Luke when Panda Baba attacks um, Luke and Obi-Wan cuts his arm off of the lightsaber and a trail of blood is shown. We find out a lot about these two real quick in Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Dr. Cornelius Evanson claims, You just watch yourself. We're wanted men. I have death sentences in... How many systems does Dr. Cornelius Evanson have the death sentence in? According to Star Wars episode... According to Dr. Cornelius himself. I feel like my brother has quoted this to me on an occasion or two. <laughs> my, my nephew's just trying to get answers in before the question comes out. Five. He says Garrido. He doesn't like you. I don't like you either. Exactly. Same guy. Is, is that what this picture is? I did such a good job with this. Yeah. Um, Eric says, Lisa, sa- Lisa says five. Eric says 12. You say five. Five. Twelve. Chrissy says 11. Uh, Lisa's just throwing out numbers. 32, 13. <laughs> I'm just, I'm picturing Lisa here right now just being like 14, 17, 22, 19, 736. What do you got? What's your guess, DJ Pizza? Can I phone a friend? No, you are your only friend. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's like high. Like I feel it. I don't know. I'm going to say 12. Mama K said 10. You said 12. All right. Uh, I'm... I'm giving points to DJ Pizza and yes. Eric. Uh, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give forty to Eric and ten to DJ Pizza. Uh, hey, <laughs> this Dr. is biased. Uh, what? How dare you? He, he said it like ten minutes before you. Uh, he even said Greedo too for no reason. Uh, Dr. Cornelius Evanson has a death sentence in twelve systems. A good thing for Panda Baba. He's a doctor, so he should be able to help him with that arm. Uh, what does you expect from Moss Eisley Spaceport? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Which should segue nicely into our next category. American Criminals. Did that segue nicely? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Yes, the point system is rigged. That is the whole point. I don't care about points. I'm giving myself another 40 for dealing with you guys. <laughs> uh, so, in... The only case of unsolved piracy of its kind, leaving a legacy of 50 years of mystery, which include movies, books, and even songs by Bill Maloney, Chuck Brodsky, and victims of circumstance, not to forget mentions from MF Dune, The Mountain Goats, and even Kid Rock lyrics. Who has Kenneth Peter Christensen, Jack Caulfield, Lynn Doyle Cooper, Barbara Dayton, William Gossett, Robert Richard... Lepsy, John List, Ted Mayfield, Richard Floyd McCoy Jr., Robert Rackstra, Walter R. Recca, and William J. Smith, and Dwayne L. Weber, Weber, all been under suspicion of being. We're talking about pirates? It is a form of piracy. And the only unsolved case of piracy of its kind. Which will be in the answer. This is like fucking Napster, like... Music piracy stuff? Yes, you've never heard of them because none of them are the actual alias. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows, actually. <laughs> mm. I will say that when I say it, you're all going to think of this Kid Rock lyric. <laughs> the Ba with the Ba? <laughs> it is from Ba with the Ba, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Lisa's got faith in you, DJ Pizza. Mm. She thinks you got this one. Yeah, come on. I threw in the phrase piracy just to throw you off. Mm. I don't understand. <laughs> We're not talking mm. about actual pirates. We're talking about like... We get stealing. W.B. Mason and W.B. Cooper from Eric. Yeah. I will say W.B. Cooper too. Oh, jump. 
Up jumped the boogie. <laughs> Kid Rock's excited that he's still relevant to this question. Mm. <laughs> I want to say William Kidd. William the Kidd. Pirate. The pirate. <laughs> You're sticking with piracy is solely from boats. All right. All right. They hanged him twice. Well, and he has that great lyric in in that Kid Rock song where he says, William Kidd and the money he took. I don't listen mm. to Kid Rock, so I don't We've know. all listened to Kid yeah. Rock. <laughs> Although the alias was given yeah. was just Dan Cooper, a mistranslation to the media led him to the better known as D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. On the day before Thanksgiving and in 1971, a man identified himself as Dan Cooper at the Portland International Airport, paid cash for a ticket on Northwest Orient Airlines, headed the 30 minutes to Seattle. Shortly after takeoff, the man hands a note to the flight attendant Florence, who dropped the unread note into her purse, assuming it was an unwanted declaration of love from a horny businessman. He leaned forward and told her, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. Uh, he then made her sit next to her and showed her the bomb in his briefcase. He demanded $200,000 and four civilian parachutes. The plane landed, the money and the parachutes delivered. He released everyone but the flight crew and told them to fly low and as slow as possible without stalling. Uh, oh, and to keep the landing gear down. Sometime after uh, being told not to leave the cabin... There were alarms identifying that the stairs had been lowered and the door had been opened and there was a sudden upward movement from the plane's tail section. That was the last sign of D.B. Cooper and the money he took. Just from that bot with the bot. For Mm -hmm. D.B. Cooper and that money he took. Um, Anyway, the investigation was finally closed in 2016. (laughs) The flight attendant Florence said uh, that he was calm and polite the whole time, but still the chief investigator, Ralph Himmelsbach, still called him a rotten, sleazy crook and the only unsolved case of air piracy ever. Yeah. But hey, at least he didn't kill anybody. Mm-hmm. Not like the next guy. Oh, did I not? I hit the button, didn't I? No, yeah, okay. yeah, you did. Yeah, okay. H.H. H. Holmes, on the other hand, killed lots of people. Yeah, Eric, you were so close. For that, I'm going to give Eric... Um, uh, I'll... I'll give him 19 points, and I'm going to give myself another 40. Perfect. Um, H.H. Holmes, on the other hand, he killed lots of people. He's even quoted as saying, I was born with the devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer. No more than a poet could help the inspiration to sing. He built a murder castle in Chicago that had soundproof room, mazes of hallways with false uh, walls, Trap doors that led to the basement that had torture devices and vats of acid. H.H. H. Holmes was able to afford all this by telling investors he planned on building a hotel to accommodate visitors for what upcoming event in 1893? The World's Fair. That's what I was going to say, the World's Fair. We have a World's Fair. We have two World's Fair guesses. We have Murder Hotel. Any other guesses? Anything? Is is Insta still? Insta quiet? Insta was pretty quiet. We got another World's that. Fair. So we got three World's Fair. Yeah, I got. I got. Insta's quiet. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put Joe on here just for hosting. I'm gonna give Joe right. uh, 118 points. Okay. Um. <laughs> Damn, does that mean he's winning? Well, uh, he's not beating me yet. Just no. for hosting. Uh, Mama is the World's host. Fair. Okay. Okay. We got a lot of the. Oh, Holy Sister Lisa is the World's Fair. So basically, everybody's saying the World's Fair. It's the World's Fair, isn't it? Yes-ish. To celebrate the 400-year anniversary of Christopher Columbus's landing in the New World, so uh, so much that... Oh, so much that it should be in quotes. But hey, 
he was a murderer too. H.H. Holmes told investors the hotel would be for guests visiting the World's Fair Columbian Exposition, which is also known as Chicago's World's Fair. So I will give um, 20 wow. points to everybody who said World's Fair. Cool. And I'm going to give you know, 60 points to Instagram. Um, and how about to Facebook? Facebook gets no points. That's what? where everybody is. Um, okay, they didn't face- even want to have that in Chicago to begin with. Facebook, have it on an East Coast city. Facebook can get 17 points because nobody got the Columbia Exposition part. 17 points. Uh, which, which is also known as Chicago's World's Fair. Holmes was eventually caught when he double-crossed his longtime swindler buddy by killing him and collecting the insurance money on his wife's behalf and then killing three of his friend's kids before uh, being captured in Boston by, Philatel- by Philadelphia Pinkertons. And eventually hung. Not wanting grave robbers to dig him up, he demanded um, that before he was executed to be buried deep and encased in cement. Uh, This was in May of 1896. In 2017, uh, rumors were taken seriously enough that H.H. Holmes had escaped execution, so his body was exhumed. But due to the cement, his body had barely decomposed. His clothes were perfectly preserved. His mustache still intact. And they used dental records to prove uh, that it was actually him, and they sealed him back up. Did I hit enough buttons? Yeah, there you go. Oh, here we go. We're on our next question. Uh, Well, those last two were a little too serious. Uh, Let's get something a little more recent, a little more hilarious. In 2012, in Kissimmee, Florida, which is right up the road here. Wait, should we change the question? Nope, this is it, right? Isn't this the question? No. Milton Milton Hodges? Secret. 20-year-old Milton Milton J. Hodges robbed a Lowe's at knife point. Then he escaped across the street and jumped a fence to a local resort and stole a golf cart. When the cops arrived, it only took a few moments to identify and arrest Hodges. What resort was he at, and why was he so easy to identify? The nude resort. (sighs) Cypress Cove. So we got Cypress Cove. Why do you know that? I don't know. I just, because, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just guessing. What? I don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking, like... We got Gaylord Palms from Holy Sister Lisa. What resort did Milton have a secret? Yeah. The nude resort. Because Kissimmee, I don't know. I just feel like that would be it. I'm going with him. He was right. so easy because he was wearing clothes. I'm giving, I'm giving uh, DJ Pizza uh, 180 points. <laughs> I'm giving Joe 400 points for not only for for not only getting the answer correct, but like what knowing is- the resort is actually kind of impressive. Um, <laughs> the Lowe's that Milton Hodges robbed is directly across from Cypress Cove Nudist yeah. Resort. When the police arrived, they were able to and quite literally pleased to seek out the only person wearing clothes. That's great. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, see something a little less gruesome before we moved on to something great. a little more family friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's funny. <laughs> Eric said Disney because he was dressed as Spider Man. My mom mm-hmm. said the Nickelodeon Resort. And he said, Eric said it would be so easy to tell Spider Man because at the time, Spider Man was owned by Universal. Um, and then. Mm-hmm. Holy Sister Lisa says it's because <laughs> so, Joe place. likes it. Yeah, it's my favorite place. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we are now moving on to our Disney discourse. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Did I do it? Okay. All right. The tree life is one of the few artificial trees at Disney's Animal Kingdom. It was built over a retrofitted oil platform over the course of 18 months. It has 8,000 branches and about 120. 102,000 thermoplastic canar leaves. It is currently the home to It's Tough to Be a Bug, a fun 40 adventure where you can get shrunk down to the size of the bug, get a full load of stink bug in your face, attacked by spiders, stung by bees, and even groped by some exiting bugs. There are 325 animals carved into the tree of life. What was the last animal carved 
into the tree of life. The alligator. The alligator, says Joe. You sound very Eric says zebra. <laughs> no. Eric, are you as confident no. as Joe with your zebra? Because Joe is very confident. Mm-hmm. Anybody else out there, what animal was the last carved animal into the tree of life? We got a beetle. We got a zebra. We got an alligator. We have an eagle for Mama K. I worked in Animal Kingdom for so long, you know. I feel like I should know this. Place. Give me an animal. Alright. Owl. Owl. And Eric says, yes, they went alphabetically. Zebra is the last animal. <laughs> um, eagle is a good choice. All right. I'm going to, let's see. I'm just going to go ahead and add 500 points for somebody getting this correct. Um, so you build a park about animals. You make sure messages about conversation, anti-poaching, and extinction is forever, is so apparent that they can't be missed. You create children's experiences that are fun and educational. You have recreated a small part of Africa with the real fucking animals to drive past, some that people have never seen or even heard of before. So obviously, you want some of the most notable names in animal study and conservation to be at your opening. Brilliant! Kaido Prize winning, Hubbard Medal recipient, Tyler Price for Environmental Achievement Award winning, Dame for, or possibly Baroness at the time, Jane Goodall and primatologist known for 60 years of study with chimpanzees is available for opening day. But you forgot to put a fucking chimpanzee on the tree of life. So they created a chimpanzee carving, but not just any chimpanzee, David Graybeard, the first chimpanzee that ever approached Jane during her research. There's even a plaque and everything about it on the Tree of Life. Boop. There it is. There's Jane with David Graybeard, the final carving attached to the Tree of Life. Is he on the inside? He is like on the ground level, like you walk past him in the queue. <laughs> I know everybody was wrong, Lisa. You're right. I gave myself 500 points. I'm probably gonna win this one. Wow. It's gonna be it's gonna be a close between Joe and I. Yeah. Um, right. Because <laughs> he knows the nudist colony. He got 400 <laughs> points for that. That was rough. <laughs> DJ Pizza's pretty close too, though. But yeah. still 300 points behind. All right. Uh, uh, we got two more questions. Dang, I gotta get 300 points and two yeah, questions. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. You, it, yeah. Well, these these next two questions are worth 500 points each. So <laughs> okay. Whoa. Uh, so you can you down can to the back. wire. All right. Man. Yeah. Uh, 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 Holy Sister Lisa said, dang, I was going to guess a monkey. If you had guessed a monkey, you'd still be wrong because chimpanzees are apes, not monkeys. Monkeys have tails. Yeah. Um, <laughs> here we go. So, uh, Kevin Costner was a Jungle Cruise skipper. Steve Martin sold guide maps, twirled lassos, and even did magic tricks at Merlin's Magic Shop. Quite a few celebrities have actually gotten their start at Disneyland. One of these celebrities includes Michelle Pfeiffer before she was Catwoman, or... Uh, white gold, straight up masterpiece, teaching tough and sullen teenagers. What character did Michelle Pfeiffer play at Disneyland? Was it a face character or a fur character? You know what? No. (laughs) (laughs) You tell me what character Michelle Pfeiffer played. Cinderella. You got Cinderella. But she was like like in entertainment. She Not was. Like she was. Uh, she had a specific character. So okay. we've got Cinderella. We've got Pluto. We've got Aurora. Says Eric. Sleeping Beauty. For those of you who are unaware, who Aurora is. How tall is Michelle Pfeiffer? <laughs> Itty bitty. No, she's, she's tiny. Like, she's no, she's tiny. Tinkerbell. 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 Mm. Mama K, stop guessing. Mama K. Wake up. Who do you think Michelle Pfeiffer played? Literally list any Disney character, and I will say it out loud. Chip and Dale. Hmm. Lisa thinks she was two characters. 
She's small and blonde. Absolutely, Eric. She is small and blonde. She doesn't even wear a wig, in fact. That's how small and blonde she is. <laughs> Daisy Duck says Mama K. You know what? I'm giving Mama K a thousand points. <laughs> Come on. She's wrong, but I'm still giving her a thousand points. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to give Eric 17 points for the fact that he's small and blonde. Uh, oh, I'm getting angry faces on Facebook because of my point giving up. This, blame DJ Pizza for points. She's the one who wanted the point system. This is. I'm not happy. (laughs) Was that you? Were you the one who just gave the angry faces, Joe? No. Um, that might have been probably my sister. Here we go. That's Alice. right. Before she was, she was Janet Van Dyne in the Adventures movies, before she was Lamia in Stardust, or Suki in The Witches of Eastwick, hell, even before she was Elvira in Scarface, she found things curious and curiouser with the White Rabbit as Alice in Disneyland. Um, is that her? That's, that is literally a picture of Michelle Pfeiffer as Alice. I want to, hang on. I I mean, you can Google it. If you Google Michelle Pfeiffer Disneyland, this is the picture that comes up a hundred times. Ladies and gentlemen, DJ Pizza. That doesn't look like her. I I thought that same thing, and then I started looking at pictures of her when she was younger, and it really does look like her. (laughs) It makes me mad. All right, uh, speaking about making people mad, um, let's go, of course, uh, to... A movie nobody's seen. Home on the Range was released in 2004 and hosts voice talents like Roseanne Barr, Steve Buscemi, James Duty Gent, Cubid Gooding Jr., and Randy Quaid. The plot sees wanted cattle rustler Alameda Slim using an alias to buy up properties in western Nebraska, all except for this one little farm that three cows fight to keep their home. With the help of a lucky rabbit who's a little crazy, an invincible buffalo... What is the name of the farm that these animals are fighting so hard to keep as their home? Animal farm. Animal farm. We're going George Orwellian. (laughs) You know what? I I actually... um, I'm going to be honest. I wrote this question and then I was like... I've, I've never actually seen this movie. I just knew the answer. I so I so I I went and it's on Disney Plus. If you we got Old McDonald's Farm, we've got Green Acres. So far no one's been correct. Something really generic is 100% accurate. (laughs) Like, if you're like, oh, I'm going to sell down in my blankety blank blank blank. (laughs) Mayberry Farm. Red Barn Farm. You know what? I would actually, even if somebody went ahead and, and, and called it Tricircle D, I honestly thought it was Tricircle D when I wrote the question, but I had to Google it to find out that I was wrong. So. <laughs> David's Farm, says Eric. Eric gets 19 bonus points. Uh, home on the Range. Uh, not the correct answer, Eric, but um, it is the first actual spoken word line in the movie. Jennifer Tilly's also in this, too. I didn't realize it until I watched it yesterday, but Jennifer Tilly's also in this movie. You would be forgiven if you had never seen Home on the Range. It was so poorly received that uh, it it's estimated that it didn't make back even half its production cost. With that in mind, it's no surprise that Disney stopped making traditionally animated movies until Princess and the Frog in 2009. However, the name of the farm is Patch of Heaven. 
The movie has a lot going for it though. Ellen Menken did the score, the voice talents were incredible, and it did end up with actually a PG rating because of one line at the very beginning looking at Roseanne Barr's cow's udders. And Maggie, the cow, says, yeah, they're real. Quit staring. <laughs> and that line alone in the opening minute and a half of the movie is what caused it to get that PG rating. There's a lot of other pretty racy lines in it, too. But um, I guess we'll have to wait and see if the live-action version is uh, rated any better. And, oh, now it's out of focus. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry, everybody. But it's called Patch of Heaven. I'm sorry you can't see my beautiful face. So, so beautiful. <laughs> it's on Disney+. Plus. Mom, you can log into my Disney+, Plus and you can watch Home on the Range if you'd like. There's no love story in this one either, uh, despite the fact that there are two cows at the end who try to fall in love. All right, so uh, tallying up the points here, I get to... First, first place winner is, um... If it's you, I'm gonna boycott. Holy Sister Lisa with negative, uh, 28 points. Yeah. Way to go, Holy Sister Lisa! Yay! <laughs> Lisa, you did it. You did it. Negative 28 points. I didn't take points away from anybody else, so I have no idea how they won. Um, <laughs> even my mom was like, no, I don't want to watch Home the Ridge. Uh... It's about cows, Ma. Um, what did you win? You win bragging rights. You get to tell everybody that you wish you were here. And uh, next time, maybe you'll get more points for being here. Anyway, the real winner, I actually think, is uh, Eric or, or DJ Pizza. I think actually tied truthfully um, with the number of right answers you guys got. Uh, Joe wins a free stay at uh, the nudist colony. And um, I mean, I did piggyback off of Joe. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to stay with Joe at the newest colony? <laughs> yeah, no. no. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no. No. The real winner is Big Mama K with because uh, she did win a thousand points for one of the answers. Uh, so Big Mama K is the real winner, and she wins me being home in about uh, forty-five minutes. All right. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us. Uh, Season two is going to be a, a lot more crazy and a lot more pretty once we get the uh, projector back because uh, I did change the whole format of how everything looks. So uh, thank you for joining us here at Free Tacos. If you're joining us on Facebook Live, please follow us in our little group. If you're not, go to Instagram and follow us on Instagram at Free Tacos. And definitely follow us on any place you get your podcasts. Specifically, Spotify would be great, but um, anything else is also groovy. Thank you so much. I am David, the brewery underscore buddy. We got Joe with the show. DJ Pizza here with us tonight on Facebook Live. We had some awesome people joining us. So thank you so much. And everybody. All right. See ya. Good night. <laughs>